Welcome to One Oak Church. We exist to share the hope of Jesus. No matter where you are or where you're at in life, you belong here. We hope you enjoy this message from our senior pastor, Robbie Emery. Hey. Let me go and pray for a new church for us. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Amen. Um, Pastor Mike Emery, I know he might still be able to hear me, but the thing you brought to the Hope Center, I'm going to need up on stage. Silas, bring me that right there. Nope. That, that, yep, that right there. There you go, my son. Go ahead. Thank you, sir. Amen. Well, um, today we call this day uh, Fork Sunday, and it's the fourth Sunday of the month. And every fourth Sunday of the month, oh, I'm, I'm going on the side, you're not going to. And the fourth Sunday of the month, we, we have a volunteer meeting following our church service. And so today is that fourth Sunday, and we provide food for all of our volunteers, all of our serve team. And if you'd like to join the serve team today, we want you to be a part of that. So all you have to do is stick around after service, about 25 minutes from now, we'll have food, we'll have some snacks, we'll have some things for you, and we'll honor our volunteers in that day. And we're gonna, we, every month we honor a volunteer. We honor somebody, we give them a gift card, let them know how grateful and thankful we are for them. As we step into a new environment, as we step into a new season, as summer will come to an end eventually, right? It will. Man, my son was like, I just feel like summer's going to go by so fast. I said, every year, son, it goes by fast. It goes by fast. You, we, were, we will be sipping on our pumpkin lattes in no time. You will. Um, but as summer will come to a close eventually, we want to make sure that we are ready in September to be able to have offer two worship experiences for those who be coming to our church. So we want you to join the team. And so Pastor Byron and Jordy are the hub of our volunteers. TJ and Lindsay help connect you to what's happening in the church. So please see them after church. They're going to come after you with a big ask. Hey, come serve alongside of us. Come be a part of what we're doing. It may be coming at 8.30 a.m. and helping us set up and maybe sticking around after service and helping us tear down. I will say this, being portable for four years and having a permanent spot now, the setup and tear down is easy. Easy peasy lemon squeezy compared to what we do now. So um, jump on in, be a part of what we're doing. I know uh, you'll be blessed for it. And um, I, I believe that God has some great things in store for our church and we want you to be a part of that, be a part of that. I've never been more blessed than when I serve. When I serve, that's when I'm blessed. And uh, I never wanna not serve. I never, want, I never wanna have too many things going on in my world or not create enough margins to where I can't serve. We, we talk here in our church about being second mile Christians in a one mile world. And Jesus spoke that to Jewish people when they were supposed to only have to go one mile by doing the work for the Romans, that Jesus said, I want you to go two miles. I want you to go above and beyond what's required and asked of you. He was trying to create a culture of serving. And so we want to have that same culture of serving here. So again, this weekend, coming up next week, no services, all right? No services. Enjoy the time. What are you going to be doing on the 4th of July that Sunday? I probably am going to be, I might go golfing next Sunday. Just saying. No church, I'm going to go golfing. Can I do that? I can do that. How many of you, no, never mind. Um, to all of our new friends, thank you for joining us in church today. We're glad that you're here. And I know God has 
some great plans in store for you. I know maybe today you're just kicking the tires, trying to see if this church fits your, your, uh, just your lifestyle. We hope it does. We hope this church will be a place that you can call, call home. Um, not only do we want to be a, a friendly church, uh, but we want to be a church that you can find friends. We want to be a church that you can find friends and build relationships and connections. And uh, so that is our hope uh, today. Uh, there is uh, a special guest here today that I, wasn't know, I didn't know if they were going to be able to come to church today, but I'm really glad that they did. They, they live in the Atlanta, Georgia area, and uh, this, is, this is my Pastor Mike's sister, my Aunt Les. It's good to have you in service today, Aunt Les. I'm glad that you're here. It has been a minute since I've seen you, and I'm so glad that you're here. I miss you. And uh, there's a lot of great churches in Georgia, but please watch our church online like you do every Sunday. <laughs> Galatians chapter 3, verse number 8, and I'm going to read some scripture. I'm going to say a few things. We're going to pray, and I'm going to jump into the Word of God. Galatians 3 and 8 says, Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. God let Abraham know, hey, this is not just for the Jewish nation. This is not just for the Israelites. This is going to be for everybody. All nations will be blessed through you. So those who rely on faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. So those who rely on faith, we rely on a lot of things, Tony. We rely on our vehicles, right? Come middle of, of the winter, right? You're relying on that vehicle. You're starting it up. Hopefully it cranks up. We rely on a lot. We rely on people. But the Bible says that there's promises for us when we rely on faith. Verse 14 of Galatians 3, he redeemed us in order. So the purpose and plan of God, the reason Jesus Christ came to this earth, he redeemed us in order that the blessing given to Abraham might come to the Gentiles through Christ Jesus. So the purpose of faith was so that the redemption of Christ would be valid. Reading the wrong gospel, again, go back to last week, the apostle said that the cross or the death of Christ is nothing. In Galatians 3, he's telling us, man, that faith pushes this through so that by faith, we might receive the promise of the Spirit. Not just identifying with the cross, not just identifying with Jesus' death on the cross and his resurrection, but the promise of the Spirit. So that faith and that pride all is a part of it. So I'm gonna preach a little bit about faith today because faith means trusting without necessarily fully understanding. A lot of us have replaced faith with facts. And so we invest more in crypto than we do in Christ. We wait to hear what Elon Musk says more than holding on to what our eternal Messiah has decided over our lives. Because we replace faith with facts. Great faith comes when you decide his word is enough. That's great faith. When I decide that my heavenly father's word spoken over my life is enough. Because as you know, things are going to go up and things are going to go down. Someone's going to say something. It's not going to be totally what you want, but his word is yes and amen. So today I want to preach you on the subject of how 
to amaze Jesus. I want to, I'm going to preach my face off this morning on how to amaze Jesus. You want to know how to amaze Jesus? I'm going to preach it to you. You've been wondering how to, how to amaze the, the person, the God-man who died for our sins. It's in the Word of God. He was amazed. So stand with me. We read this passage of Scripture. In Luke chapter 7, verse number 7. This is a a Roman centurion coming to Jesus, asking for the help of this Jewish man, this Roman, you got to get the context, this Roman centurion would have been the law over the Jewish people. He would have been the one telling them what to do. He would have been the taskmaster. He would have been the one telling the Jewish people, here, you got to carry my bags for one mile. I know you're on vacation. I know you're with your family, but you got you to carry this heavy load for a mile. And Jesus was the man telling the Jewish people, you got to carry it for two. This is the person that's going to Jesus. And he says to Jesus these words, but say the word and my servant will be healed. This man has a servant. It's not a family member. He's not related to him. But for whatever reason, this servant means the world to him. And he says, pray that my servant will be healed. For I myself and a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one to go and he goes and that one to come and he comes. I say to my servant, do this and he does it. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed at him. Because Jesus, he told Jesus, my servant is sick. And Jesus immediately said, I'll go heal him. No, I don't deserve you to be under my roof. He says, I tell people to do things and they do it. He says, just say the word and it'll be done. Just speak it, Jesus, and my servant will be healed. And Jesus was so amazed. I've not seen faith like this in all of Israel. Don't you know who was standing around listening to this conversation? All of Israel. Don't you know who was wondering what Jesus was going to do in this situation? All of Israel. And Jesus was amazed by a centurion. Jesus was amazed by a man who didn't have it all together. Jesus was amazed by a man that had problems. Jesus was amazed by a man who probably had done some wrong in his life. Jesus was amazed by him because he understood his gifting and the gifting of Jesus. He says, I tell you, I've not found such great faith even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant. Well, go check. I'm telling you today, we have an opportunity to amaze Jesus. How can I amaze Jesus? Well, when we start reading from the right gospel. How can I amaze Jesus when I allow religion to no longer be a part of my life, but relationship to be everything in my life. Heavenly Father, I thank you for another opportunity to be able to stand on this stage and deliver a message, a message you've put on my heart, God, a few weeks ago, about what this day would be, a day that I hope we can amaze you in all things. God, it's not in the 
the words that I say or the way that I worship or how long I spend on my knees, but knowing you and the authority that you have, that amazes you. And so God, no matter what my day or week has been like, God, or my month's been like, God, I know that you are working all things together for my good. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I do know who holds my tomorrow. I understand your power and authority, Jesus. And so I speak that over our church today and every person here and watching online. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Come on, clap your hands one more time. Thank you, Mike. You can be seated. I like to explain things at church often have this bottle of water and like someone said, oh, you like that expensive Fiji water. I said, I said, no, most water bottles are round and they roll off, my, off the podium. So I get a square bottle so it doesn't roll. Just FYI, just kind of, kind of inform the church I have uh, just to keep you in there. So um, have you ever been ma- amazed by something? Amazed in awe of something? I was, I went to the Grand Canyon several years ago and I thought I would be amazed by the Grand Canyon. I wasn't that amazed. It's just a big hole in the ground. Now, you may have had different experiences, but I was just a hole. I was underwhelmed. Now, when I was young and spry, 24-year-old man, I am sure I amazed Danielle often with my athleticism. (laughs) But everything changes after 40. It changes after 40. I can barely play a slow game of softball without getting hurt. If you don't believe us, come watch us play tomorrow. But amazement brings interest, and interest brings involvement. Our ability to amaze Jesus involves him in our situation. He had to get involved. He became a part of the scenario because he was amazed, amazed at the man's faith, amazed at what this man was able to see in Jesus that maybe all of Israel wasn't able to see up to that point. This man recognized, one, he was a person of authority, but also recognized that Jesus was a person of authority. And he was thinking, man, if I can do this on earth, and this man truly is the Messiah, I'm going to tap into that power and ability that amazed Jesus. Amazement brings interest. When I was a young man around Silas's age, I was amazed by a juggler. And so I learned to juggle. I also was amazed by magicians. I was like all about the sleight of hand type stuff. Jumped into it. There wasn't a magic trick or thing that I, I, I had my, that was my parents' ball because I was amazed by it. I wanted to understand it. I wanted to be a part of it. Amazement brings interest and involvement. Amazement says, how, how's, that, how's that happen? How was that done? How's that going on? Uh, my wife doesn't, I like watching Shark Tank. I love that. I love what people like, man, that's amazing. I, I end up buying more stuff from Shark Tank than most. I just, that's really cool. I want to get that. But amazement brings involvement. I'll say this, this band amazes me. It, they really do. I, I, this band is to me amazing. Because there's not a single person on this stage that is paid. They're all volunteer. They serve our, they amaze, they bring in their talents to our church. They amaze me. 
I said this in our huddle, but before we had the Hope Center, we were at a port, we were portable at the community center, and the band would arrive at 6 a.m. Like Jesus is not even awake at 6 a.m. on a Sunday. But they got there. And some of them, like Rob and Izzy, they lived out like way out in Macomb. They still live. It was like a 45-minute drive to get to church. So it's not like they're getting up at 4.30, 5 o'clock to come to church. To be a part of what God's doing. They would set up everything. And then rehearse. Then have two services. Then tear down everything. And like walk out of church exhausted. I hope fulfilled. Exhausted but fulfilled. And Ryan reminded me the other day, man, it wasn't just... It wasn't just anybody setting up a church. These are, these are men and women who have companies, men and women who are leaders in the community, men and women who are like, man, we believe in this. And so that amazes me when people say, I'm all in. I, I want to be a part of the serve team. I want to volunteer. I want to be a part of this because I believe that amazes God. Yeah. We're encouraging you today to jump in. Jump into what happens here. Well, pastor, I don't have my whole life together. I don't know that the Roman centurion had his whole life together. I don't know that he had everything perfect and all figured out and all fixed. And apparently, there was, there, he was, in his life, there was some brokenness because his servant wasn't well, but he knew that Jesus could fix it. I'm telling you that being a part of this serve team, I believe, will help fix some of the situations outside of this building in your life. Jump in. We're going to go to two services in September, so get you ready for it. Just prepare for it. We're going. So after service, connect with Pastor Byron and Jordy, TJ, Lindsay. Get involved. Be a part of what God is going to do. Because I believe that we all have to have this awe and amazement. I believe that's what the attraction was to Jesus in that moment, that the Sacherian was like, I I need to get to Jesus. I need to be where he is. I I know he's doing things for the people of God, the Israelites. I know he's doing things for others. Will he do anything for me? Maybe you came here today wondering if he'll do anything for you. Maybe you walked here and say, well, will you meet the needs of my life? Will you come by and, and do something? And I believe he will. I do. And I, I, I was telling our team this morning, we, as a church, one of the things we have to do is make sure that religion is, doesn't seep its way into the way we worship and the way we respond. Because I've been going to church all my life. Like I was, like I I always say I was on drugs when I was a kid. I was drugged to church. I was drugged to prayer meeting. I was drugged to all these things. I've been going to church all my life. But when you do, when you do something so often, right, it can lessen and lessen the amazement. Uh, The idea is like if you have, if you have 20 bucks, right, and you're going to give it to somebody, but that somebody has a million dollars in the bank account, that 20 bucks doesn't mean a whole lot, Right? It's not, not that big of a deal. Not a big deal. But if you give that 20 bucks to someone who has nothing, it's everything. Am I right? And what we do, I believe, a lot of times, sometimes in churches, we come in with a million-dollar bank account. And there could be someone sitting next to us that is empty and broken and hurting. And what we can't do is what we get to do every week and the passion that we have in living for God and the things we learn to allow it to seep in on a Sunday because someone in this room is empty and depleted and they need everything that God has for them. Because some of you may be coming to church for like five years. I've heard Pastor Robbie tell that story like three or four or five times. And I guess what, you stick with us long enough, you're going to hear it 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 times. 
And I hope you continue to laugh and I hope you continue to smile. I hope you continue to be encouraged because there's a person sitting next to you that's never heard the story. There's a person sitting next to you that's never heard about Jesus. There's a, and it's our amazement that's gonna bring about healing. How to amaze Jesus. How to, don't you know, amazement can be startling too, right? Everyone there, there had to be like, what? I don't know what has happened this year over the past few weeks, but my son has gotten to the habit of scaring us. <laughs> no, that's true. Like a habit of it. Like kids are scary enough. But them intentionally scaring you. I walked in the house the other day, Silas, my wife had just left and I was like five minutes behind her coming to the house. The side door to my house was locked, so I had to go through the garage. I go through the garage, open up, walk in the house. And if you go through my garage into my house, right when you walk in is where like all the shoes are and there's a, a bathroom right there. I walk in that place. I think my son's playing video games. He's upstairs. No, he's hiding in that bathroom. <laughs> True story. I walk in, he just goes, ah, I realize with my son, I still push him. I pushed him. Stop doing it. You better not do that to Nana and Papa. <laughs> so last night, we have this, we, Danielle and I were sitting on the porch and just watching the, the clouds and the rain and talking and and there's a, there's, a, there's a neighborhood cat. You know, you got neighborhood pets. It's like everyone's pet. There's a neighborhood cat. His name's Clyde. And Clyde, yeah, true story. Clyde always comes over to our house when he's there. And so Clyde comes over, and he's sitting by me, and Silas is walking out. I was like, oh, I'm going to get Silas back. Silas, come here. Come here. He doesn't know there's an animal outside. Come here. Come here, Silas. Come here. Come talk to your dad. And as soon as he sees this big black cat sitting on the ground, he gets scared. I got him back. So... But amazement can be startling. Amazement, amazement should draw reaction from us. Amazement should cause something to happen. I'm telling you, when the twins were born, I was amazed. I, I was, they, we, they were born in, a, in, a, in an operating room, an emergency room, because they were twins. Their girls were born 17 minutes apart. I was amazed. I was amazed because I had never experienced anything like that before. My amazement, you know what amazement did? I started crying. I started weeping. I went over there, I said, and my first thing is, I, I counted all, all the fingers and all the toes. I guess that's what dads do. Just make sure they got all of them. I don't know. I'm just in the room. And then, then Ava screams. And you know, they, they, they scale the scream to see if their lungs are healthy. Like, that girl can scream. It was loud. And so we went over there, and she's screaming. Danielle's like, is she okay? I said, yeah, she's screaming. She's having a bunch of fun. And then 17 minutes later, here comes Bree, amazed again. Why? Because when you're a part of something, when you're a part of seeing birth happen, why do we want you on the serve team? Because you get to be a part of the birth. You get to be a part of what's happening. We're trying to create amazement in this room and amazement in our culture and amazement in our community. And it's always come through serving. I want to be a part of it. I want to see life happen. I want to be a part of it. Great faith. The Centurion was an impressive guy. 
but it was not his power, status, or authority that amazed Jesus. It wasn't his armor. It wasn't his chucks. All the bands said today that I look like I should be in the movie Sandlot. And, um, and I said, you're fired. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> How do you fire someone who volunteers? You don't. It was not his morality or the good things he had done for the local Jewish community. It wasn't anything like that. It wasn't his shoes. It wasn't his status that amazed Jesus. It was none of that. It was his great faith. Maybe the reason we come up short in understanding of the gifts of Jesus through faith is because we don't recognize ours. Because he started with his first. I tell this one to come and he comes. I tell this one to go and he goes. My servant does things for me. I ask him to do it and he does it. He understood his ability. He understood his giftings. And because he had an understanding of his giftings, he had a greater understanding of Jesus' giftings. But a lot of us, we complain about our gifts. A lot of us don't like the gifts we have. This is a spoon. This is a wheelbarrow. I'm going to help you out here. Wheelbarrow. B-A-R-R-O-W. Not barrel. Okay? Stop saying barrel. All right? It's a barrow. Wheelbarrow. Right, Mike? So this is a spoon. This is a wheelbarrow. I literally had someone at the gym the other day come up to me and said, Pastor, thank you for preaching that message a couple years ago. I thought it was going to be like this, like Lorraine, something like, man, I said something really good from the Bible and something awesome. He says, every time I go to the grocery store, I make sure I put my shopping cart back. <laughs> I'm like, all right. One person at a time. So I'm helping you out today. Wheel, barrow. And this is a spoon. They both hold things. This, of course, can hold a lot more. This can only hold a little bit. You see, but if we, so, if we are spoons and we so desire a wheelbarrow, then we can never feed anybody. And if we're a wheelbarrow, this, I'm a, I just want to, I'm a wheelbarrow, I want to be a spoon, I want to feed anybody. Well, then you can't carry as much. You see, if we get in this comparison game, I can, we can have a mound of dirt outside. I'm going to go after the wheelbarrow, but if I need to feed somebody, I'm going to grab this. We need everybody's giftings. Quit comparing your gifting to my gifting because I'm not comparing to yours. Use what God gave you. You may be a wheelbarrow or you might be a spoon. They're useful in their own right. Some of you are out there trying to move a pile of dirt with a spoon. No, go find somebody who has a wheelbarrow calling. Hey, come out here and let's move this. Go get the guy with the wheelbarrow to bring groceries over to the people in need, and you feed them with the spoon. We've got to do this together. We can't be separate in this. Don't worry about your giftings. I'm not going to worry about mine, but if we put them together, we can accomplish a lot for the kingdom of God. Understand who you are and what he has, and God will be amazed. I think in our culture, in our church culture, 
We have spoons who want to be wheelbarrows. And wheelbarrows who want to be spoons. We need so we need both. I'm so small I can't carry much. I'm so big I can't feed anyone. We do it. We do it. We have to stop. We all have gifts. God has placed inside of you. As we've seen so much packed in the centurion story, this guy, he had it going on. And yet in the face of his servant's illness, all the centurion's power, wealth, and influence were worthless. He was in a crisis. Centurions were hardened, self-reliant individuals. But ultimately this one realized that his abilities only reached so far. In order to save his servant, he'd have to go beyond himself. And at the end of himself, he found Jesus. At the end of yourself, you find Jesus. You know how to get rid of self? Serve. That's how you get rid of self. How do I get, how do I get to the end of myself as I serve? I serve. The centurion had to humble himself to Jesus Christ. And at the end of himself, he found Jesus. How do I find Jesus? John 14 and 15 says this. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Just leave that up on the screen for me, guys. For years, even as a Christian, I was reading this verse out of the wrong gospel. Here's how I read it. Robbie, if you love me, you'll prove to me that you love me by being a good boy. Don't even tell me, Robbie, that you love me if you're not doing what I told you to do. But that's not what it says. You know what it says? It says, if you love me, you will. Don't even think about obeying the command. If you love me, you will. You'll want to. I don't wake up every day saying, now, Robbie, be faithful to Danielle. And remember, there's a commandment saying, thou shalt not commit adultery. So I slap my hand and say, all right, I think I can do it one more day. I'm in love. I don't have to think about it. I'm not thinking about anyone else because I'm so in love. If I wasn't in love, then there might be a problem. And that's what happens to so many of us. We've not fallen in love with Jesus. So here's my question for you. With that scripture, which side of the comma are you living on? The love side or the obeying side? you don't get that side first, if you don't get that order right, love me first, you'll obey. Don't obey me and think that's going to make the love relationship right, because what that does is the other side of the gospel. I'm going to obey. If I do, if I do, if I do, if I obey, then no, I'm, I'm going to love, fall in love. Don't allow condemnation to be your course correction. I can be told, condemned, then I do right. Condemnation simply means you're a failure and can't change. 
Here's what's going to happen later the week, this week. The devil will try to do to you what he did to Eve and the same thing to Jewish Christians he did back in the Gospels. He will come alongside of you and tell you you're not doing enough. The tendency will go back to performance-based religion, to do, to do, to do, to get, because that is our life. We work five days, six days. We work 40 hours, 60 hours to get a paycheck. And so that makes its way into our relationship with God, but that is not relationship, that's religion. And we'll leave this place and we'll go back to the other side of the comma, which is the wrong gospel. But my hope today is that you'll fall in love with Jesus. And when I fall in love with Jesus, the self Robbie begins to die. And when that begins to die, the Bible says that that decreases and he increases in my life. Then men are drawn to him and life change can happen. And that's what it's about. Every single day, make the choice to live your life from the right gospel. I'm not going to let condemnation get a hold of me. I'm going to fall in love with Jesus, not judge others, but get as close to Jesus as I can. Deuteronomy 30 and 19. This day, I call the heavens and the earth as witness against you that I have set before you life and death, blessings and curses. Now choose life. Which side of the comma will you choose? Death, curses, or life and promises? our choice. God, I know your ability because I understand my giftings. And when I fall in love with you, it's not because I have to, I get to. Stand with me today in this place. We have a choice today to choose life. Marcus and Lindsay, just a week ago, you chose to get married. It was your choice. Someone forced you. And it's your choice today to say yes to Jesus Christ and give your life to him. your choice today to fall in love with him and the attributes of him the person he is in grace I wrote this down before I walked to the stage that those who have a hard time receiving the grace of God likely will have a hard time to extend the grace of God We have to make sure that we receive it. Tony, I've got to receive it before I can ever give it away. And a lot of times we come in here and I don't deserve the grace. Well, none of us do. So scratch that. You don't deserve the grace of God. So I'm going to receive the grace of God because when I leave here, I'm definitely going to need to extend it. So I want you to receive the grace of God right now. All over this room with your hands stretched wide as an idea to receive. Come on, I'm just going to receive. 
that you're about to carry something heavy. I'm going to receive this heavy thing called grace into my life. Come on, receive the grace of God right now in this moment. It's for you today in the person of Jesus Christ. Receive the grace of God right now. Right now. Now, with every head bowed and every eye closed, and go ahead and drop your hand down. Let me give you an opportunity to give your life to Christ. If you've never said yes to Jesus, you've never given your life to Christ, you've never made the approach to him, you've never said, I love you, Jesus, and I give you my life, I want to give you that opportunity right now to say yes to him. When I count to three, I just want you to raise your hand, and you're saying, Pastor Robbie, I want to be included in this final prayer. I'm giving my life to Christ. And in this prayer, you're going to repent of your sins. In this prayer, you're going to turn to Jesus. In this prayer, you're going to declare that he is Lord. You're going to declare all those things today. And when the Bible says that we declare those things, we are saved. We're saved. So right now, with every head bowed, every eye closed, when I count to three, if you've never given your life to Christ, or maybe it's been a long time since you've said yes to Jesus, you want to do that today. When I count to three, raise your hand and drop it right back down. One, two, three. Hands up, hands up, hands up. I see the hands, see the hands. Thank you for the hands. Drop them right back down. With every head bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around, pray this prayer with me. Say it out loud. Repeat after me. Heavenly Father, I realize today that I'm a sinner and I need a Savior. Jesus, forgive me of my sins. Jesus, I repent of my sins and I turn to you. Today, I confess with my mouth and I believe in my heart that Jesus Christ is Lord and God raised him from the dead. Today, I give my life to Jesus Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Come on, clap your hands. Thank you for listening, and we hope you were blessed by this message. To stay connected, head to oneoakchurch.com and follow us on social media to stay updated with the latest information.